and welcome to The Verge. Today, we have Maya Carter. She is a primary care physician and a virtual care trailblazer. Uh, thank you so much, Maya, for coming onto The Verge and sitting in my podcast and my hot seat and talking to me today. It's so great to have you. It's so great to be here. Thank you so much for having me and being able to share with you in this space. So you are in Nevada, is that correct? Correct. I'm here in sunny Las Vegas, having a good time. Send some sun this way, please. It's still cloudy here. Okay. And cold. Uh, I'd love for you to start out in telling us um, so we can get to know you, your background um, and your career path, but also why you chose to become not only a physician, but a primary care physician, because that role is so different than when my aunt started in primary care. And really, there's so much work to do as a primary care physician and so much happening in that ambulatory world. And so, um, yeah, what? tell us your career path and, and why you chose to, to become a PCP. Sure. Fantastic. Um you know, I am from the Midwest. I'm originally from Ann Arbor, Michigan. Growing up, um, I have always had an interest in science. I've had an interest in people and connecting with people and um, providing service to others. And so growing up, whether it be volunteering at my church, packing groceries, whether it be um, getting exposure in um, healthcare arenas um, and understanding that, watching that patient doctor dynamic and that communication and connection really attracted me. Um, and so, you know, growing up, having those influences and being able to pursue a career in medicine is something that um, really I just gravitated towards. Um, I really enjoy just being one-on-one -on -one with patients and being able to um, connect with them, have them share with me um, their personal life, their things that are they are um, struggling with, and me being able to use, you know, my skill set, my scientific knowledge, but also my ability to understand their psychosocial environmental factors that affect their health, and being able to help mm -hmm. them to reach their goals and narrow um, reach their goals health wise. So I've always had this appreciation for not only okay disease process and treatment plan but also the environment and community in which the patient comes from. And so um, that's what led me to not only receive my, achieve my medical degree, but also a master's in public health as well. So mm -hmm. I, was, I had the privilege of attending George Washington University in Washington, D.C. And so I had, I was enrolled in medical school four years, and I also was enrolled in the School of Public Health. And so instead of doing the master's in two years, I did it in four years. So I would take my exam and then I would write my paper. Right. So, <laughs> so, uh, but I had these lenses where love the deep connection I could have that the continuity of care, being able to follow up and see what happened, what happened after you saw cardiology, after you saw GI, after you went to physical therapy mm -hmm. and then that, that long-term relationship, but also really understanding health happens at home, health happens in your community what else is going on that's going to be in that's that's outside of pharma, pharmaceuticals <laughs> and that's we need to really address and talk about. And so, you know, that's been my core. And then from there, you know, I've been 
privileged enough to be able to um, really just grow in, in, in that area and also create an interest in virtual tools and virtual care and operations. Um, I had the privilege of um, being able to um, be a leader in operationalizing and um, providing guidance and being responsible for access and primary care clinics in my area. And so that gave me a lot of tools to understand um, how to reach our goals for effective and efficient care. Um, what are some, what is the balance between really supporting our staff and also reaching operational goals? And then now kind of, you know, helping, working to get through COVID pandemic and kind of this boom of virtual tools and virtual opportunities and realizing that the flexibility and uh, versatility is important as far as how we reach our patients. And so now my main focus work-wise is to be able to help folks implement and expand virtual tools and really to help developers um, create tools that create an environment that is more efficient, that um, is our burnout protectors, that are um, intuitive and user-friendly, that make a difference, that fill a gap, that where we're thinking about ethics, where we're thinking about equ equitable solutions um, from the start, and that have the right stakeholders at the table. Awesome. Awesome. You do so much on like the cutting edge, right? Uh, in terms of virtual care. So what are some either use case scenarios or best tools that you are seeing, you know, being utilized or being implemented that patient and physicians are um, adopting together? Wow. I just think that there's so many opportunities now. We're really just touching the surface of what mm -hmm. is in store. I think we need to be prepared for Generation Z uh, who um, may not want to wait in a waiting room. <laughs> and wait. I, 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 I don't. Right, no, right? I, or, you know, yeah. even generations before Z. I'm Generation X and I, I don't even want to wait, right? And so being able to put the, the patient at the center of their care and, and create the tools and flexibility and be nimble enough to be able to mm -hmm. say, let me meet you how you want to be met um, in a safe, effective manner. So I think, you know, we're looking at tools where you can literally, um, you know, in real time, beam into your healthcare team. It doesn't necessarily need to be a physician. It might be someone else on the team mm -hmm. um, to be able to meet your needs. You're not necessarily having to come all the way back from your vacation to finally see your mm -hmm. healthcare team. You can be on vacation and still get treatment. Um, and yeah. so having that flexibility there, I think there's much opportunity for virtual reality and um, augmenting the perception. We're dealing with chronic pain and now in primary care, there's a lot of chronic illness and chronic pain and being able to help someone manage um, those things that may not go away completely. Um, mm -hmm. But being able to help them cope better with virtual tools is really exciting. I think um, educational wise and, and, and educating clinicians on different processes using virtual reality can also help, you know, how do we improve the discharge process? 
How do we improve um, different tra- other trainings? So I think there's a, a lot on the horizon. How do we improve dictation? Um, yeah. Um, you know, uh, administrative burden is huge when with, with clinicians. Mm-hmm. And just thinking back, you know, what is it, 18 years ago when I became a physician, you know, we were the amount of administrative burden then and what it is now is, is just grown leaps and bounds. And so what can we do to automate as much as we can? Automate as much as we can safely, but also at the same time, um, you know, leverage that clinician for the judgment, for the ethics, for the compassion, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so forth in a safe way, thinking about safety, security, thinking about... Um, privacy as we build things from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think one of the interesting tools would be sort of the AI and, and chat GPT in the, in the office and, and, and that sort of, you know, recording voice listening to you while you're talking to the patient and turning that into your note to be able to look at that real quick. Are you utilizing anything like that now, or you've just seen it in a, in, in process, maybe somewhere else or at a, a conference or something. Not using it currently, but it's definitely a hot topic, definitely discussed in my circles and trying to see yeah. um, where we can go with it because it that is definitely a game changer, especially if it's something we can count on be, and it's reliable and it's safe. Yeah. Clinicians will get on board with that. Yeah. Do you, are, so are you using like a, a dragon or a voice recognition right yeah. now? Something. Mm-hmm. Dragon yeah. Yeah. I mean, I implemented, helped so many physicians utilize a voice recognition, but now it's at a whole nother level, you know, um, it's going to be interesting. And I also think it's going to help um, with coding, right? You don't like, yes. you, <laughs> it'll help and, and not help. Right. So now, Physicians don't have to know the codes because it's going to do it for them. But then maybe it's bad that they might not know the codes. Um, and and so maybe it's like it might go back and forth. But um, yeah, I think that's an opportunity. You know, we need to make sure we optimize our codes. Um, and sometimes, yeah. you know, there are some gaps there. So if we could leverage it yeah. to optimize coding to really get, um, really show and demonstrate and document the work that we, we do. Um, yeah. and that would be great. And then, um, also, you know, the know ability it. for it to organize your note. So, yeah. so it's, 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 it's translated in a way, which is a nice, concise, you know, note that we can be proud of that really right. illustrates, you know, the HPI, the objective data, the workup, the plan, our assessment, right? Maybe that can even lay out, okay, you know, I think this is this is where I, we're going with having your, a good assessment of the patient and being able to create a plan which incorporates pharmaceutical solutions, non-pharmaceutical solutions, virtual tools, right, mm-hmm. that can be leveraged. And if the AI system can can, can recognize that, um, that is, that's going to be huge. Yeah. I know I recently used, uh, used it to fill out an RFP that we had. Um, and it was wonderful. (laughs) It was wonderful. (laughs) And then you take the words and you kind of, you know, add your own twist, but man, to get started, it it was great. Um, so where, 
where and maybe what are you using in terms of remote patient monitoring and bringing those tools to the homes of others, but to be able to monitor that um, remotely for your team and not just having the burden on, you know, the physician anymore, but are you using any of those types of tools today or, or ones that interest you that you um, might want to use going forward? You know, remote monitoring has been around for a long time. I think um, what's an area of interest is being able to think about wearable devices, think about patient-generated health data, um, leveraging in a way where it's uploaded into our systems in a clear, mm-hmm. concise way that's that's uh, digestible and ready for the clinician to make decisions on, um, making it clear to the end user, the patient, which wearable devices are appropriate. How do we know that this is this is going to make it, maybe able to troubleshoot, being able to ensure that this is accurate, you know, and being able to use that data to not have to wait for that patient to see you in clinic again and having them scratch their heads to try to remember what they ate three weeks ago and what their blood pressures were and where is that other sheet uh, that I scribbled that blood pressure reading on and all of that. But you don't worry, it's already uploaded. I've already seen what's happened and we're ready to go ahead and save time during this visit and get on to the the plan and our next steps together as a partner as in a partnership. So yeah. I'm, I'm excited about that. I know that is, there's a lot of work being done to try to make that more streamlined. Um, and I'm excited about that in the mental health world as well. I know that I saw a lot of startups, you know, dabbling in monitoring people's, um, you know, blood pressure and, and other items that might, you know, affect their mental health, but then them also being able to check in and saying they're okay today or not. And then how do we prevent an episode based on the data, not just for mental behavioral health patients, but maybe even you're seeing the data come in and it's a diabetic patient mm-hmm. or someone with epilepsy and be able to predict that they could be on their way to having something happen and stopping them happening. Like this is super exciting time. Yes. Predictive analytics and being able to give the healthcare team the information they need to, to predict um, and uh, give a set of data that will help you understand who you need to reach first, who you need to reach out to first. And maybe also yeah. in my mind, you know, layer in health equity as well. And so being able to yeah. utilize the right tools to be able to say, okay, you know, where are the, where's the disparity here? You know, whose blood pressure perhaps may be not under control in my panel, but now let's look and see, you know, what are some other psychosocial environmental factors affecting that? Which subset is affected most? Who should we target first? Um, And so, again, leveraging our tools, automation, our AI to be able to um, give us the information we need so we can get closer to to affecting care. Um, so I think that a lot, a lot of exciting things. I think the key things is it to be, you know, secure, safe, privacy issues, reliable. Because, you know, as a clinician, if it's not reliable, if I can't count on it, if I don't believe it, <laughs> then I'm out. You know, so getting that trust of the of the medical staff to be able to say, okay, I, I can now, this is a burnout protector. 
I feel like I can do my job better, easier, faster. I feel like I can utilize my skill set um, in a more productive way. I'm clear about my panel and what I'm what I'm doing today, and I'm not bogged down by all these administrative burdens. So, yeah, I, I learned really quickly in my career that giving physicians the data, the analytics, and showing them how it works in a real life setting, right? Um, mm-hmm. And showing them the data behind it because their skepticism yes. is how it's how I can win them over instead of like, oh, just use it. Right, like that's not right. you're not yeah. you're not winning. Show me the data, show me the evidence. This is tried yeah. and proven, but you know, and uh, you know, is this this it precise enough? Because you know, right. we're thinking about the legalities, we're thinking about yes. as you should right, all these different factors um, involved. So exciting times. Super. So I, I have, maybe, hopefully it's an easy question for you. I would think it's hard, but I'm not a physician. So, and I'm just thinking it off the, the cuff is there's such a shortage in primary care physicians and there's new ones coming on board, even if they're, M, you know, whatever the title, MD, DO, NPs. Um, what would you tell these new physicians coming on board to sort of focus on there's lots and lots of noise in terms of tech and patients and their needs. And I can imagine them just being like, like want to hold their head and, and scream with everything coming in at them. And so how would you provide them like some leadership words to help them navigate through their first year of, of, um, of work? Well, you know, you always have to stay true to yourself. What are you gravitating towards? What's interesting to you? What are you excited about? So if you're going into um, primary care, you know, you, you know, you be clear about your why. Be clear about why you, you're what's gravitating you towards having this continuity with patients and um, continue to be curious, asking questions. Mm-hmm. You know, and when we're doing our medical training, our residency training, we're always um, encouraged to ask a lot of questions. Um, and I, I want folks to continue to do that. I continue to do that. I'm a teacher, but I'm also a forever student. So I'm in the position now that I can teach other people and and hopefully give some guidance and tools and some wisdom that I have acquired over the years. But I'm also a lifelong learner, so I still have a lot to learn. So I would encourage them to do that and listen to what is resonating with their soul and their spirit to figure out what's, where is my niche? What, what am I good at? What, what gives me joy? What lights me up? Is it the electronic health record? Is it working on workflows and processes? And is, is it um, artificial intelligence and developing virtual tools? Is it communication strategies and that, and that doctor patient relationship website manner? Is it health mm-hmm. equity and figuring out how to lay the, layer those things on? Or is it our relationship with our specialists, you know, and how can we do mm-hmm. that better? And so everyone has a lot to say about everything, but being able to really <laughs> figure out what you need to do. And that might change over time. So, you know, what, 10, 12 years ago, I could not have even thought that I would be doing what I'm doing now. But just really <laughs> just opening, listening to myself and and understanding where my gifts and talents are and understanding where I was gravitating towards and said, yes, this, this is my zone and going with that and taking a, don't be afraid to take a little bit of a risk 
and leveraging your resources around you. If you don't know the answers, that's okay. You don't have to know all the answers. Just know where your resources are to be successful. Yeah, I love that. Leveraging your network and and not burning a bridge right along the way because all those people are so important in your career. So you are such an inspirational leader. What are you doing in your career or even outside of work to help other women leaders that are physicians, whether they're in IT or not, um, Mm -hmm. rise up and and continue on? Well, that's such an interesting question. I... I've always seen myself as the mentee. (laughs) So I'm signing up to be the mentee because I need mentoring. I need guidance. I need support. What do I do? And then at some point, someone had moved me over to the mentor. uh, (laughs) The mentor section. Literally. And so one of my organizations that I belong to, I had signed up to be a mentee as usual. And next thing I know, you know, folks are contacting me to be their mentor. That's when I I realized, oh, I have some information I can, you know, share. And so um, as far as women go, you know, I I find that I reflect a lot on my own journey in the past, my own journey, like my current journey and kind of my future vision for myself, my life, my family, my career. And so transparency is really important. So I always have about, you know, folks where I can feel like um, I can share information with. I try to be as transparent as I can about the realities of the juggle between, you know, your your work, your family, your kids, yourself, like yourself mm-hmm. is in there, too. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and yep. how to make sure we get, bring our A game. We, as women, a lot of time want to bring our A game on every area. And how do we do that safely? Yep. How do we do that? And we still care for ourselves. How do we show ourselves the same compassion that we give everybody else and give ourselves mm-hmm. that grace. And so I find myself having informal, um, impromptu conversations just as I navigate my day, whether it be at work, whether it be, um, and organizations outside of a work, whether it be just, I might be, you know, in the grocery store and running into someone and just say, wow, I'm connecting with this person and let me pour mm-hmm. into her. And cause she's probably pouring into me. And so, um, I think we have to help each other. I think we all, we yeah. all can win. And so when mm-hmm. he wins, I win. And so mm-hmm. it's, uh, no one should be, left to feel like they're alone in this, yeah. right? And so I feel like the more we connect, the more wellness we have for each other. And then we're, we can move forward and have confidence and not have to uh, worry so much about other people, you know? Yeah. So yeah. I find myself um, mentoring early careerists, um, mid-careerists, careers like myself, um, learning from those who are closer to retirement um, and um, can really celebrate what we do. Yeah. Yeah. One of my, my proudest moments in my career is not about me. It was a help desk individual when I was CIO who just recently worked her way up to be promoted to be a CIO. And just to think that I had, you know, a small amount of Mm -hmm. helping her get there. um, Yeah. It makes me happy. So uh, what 
unrelated to work, what other passions do you do you have out there? Well, I love music. I love movement. So um, I love to exercise. I am an advocate. And I'm not sure if I can say the name on your show, but I love Orange Theory Fitness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can say okay. that. Yeah, we're not. I've sworn before here. We're good. You're good. Okay. You're good. <laughs> so I love Orange Theory Fitness. That is my jam. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yes, and that has been. I've never done one of those classes before. Now you're gonna have to get me to go yes, do one. Yeah, do it. Do it. I'm, I'm telling you. Try it. I started off just twice a week. You know, let me try it out, and then I just moved up to the to the unlimited plan. And so I go. I have to go at least four di- four days a week. Yeah, uh, because it has really I feel like it's it's changed the chemistry of my brain. Like it's given me so much wellness for myself. It's a great community, um, you know, just welcoming and it really exercising on a regular basis and to the to the intensity that gives you that level of endorphin yep. coming out of that. It's like, OK, yeah. you know, my issues are still there. My problems are still there. My you know challenges are still there in my life. But. Yeah. I'm able to navigate them better in a more healthy manner, uh, having yeah. put in that work. And, you know, there's days when I'm just not feeling like doing it, but just one hour is just one hour. And at that hour, we're in a group. So we're all in there together and it's circuit mm-hmm. training. Right. So um, that's that runner. That runner. Mm-hmm. That run- I've done um, here in town, we have nine rounds. So it's like kickboxing, but it has nine different stations. So it's pretty similar. Yes. Um, but yeah, it's that runner's high to like, you know, be done and then like get that workout. I yeah, totally agree. I, now I'm grounded. I have a really bad high hamstring um, tear. Oh so like mentally for like the last couple of weeks, I haven't been able to do anything. Mm-hmm. It's, it's hard. It is like, hard. It's hard when I hard. travel too, although I have been able to travel and find um, Orange Series where I travel to. And that's yeah. been, it's a little bit of maneuvering to kind of plan it out, especially if you're on a strict business trip or things like that. But um, I'm telling you, it, it makes a difference. I also like African dance. Um, mm-hmm. And so that really connects me with my um, ancestry and the African drum is just something that is just, it's important for my soul, right? And it gives me that, um, you know, shoulders back, heads up. I'm, I know who I am, and I can move forward with confidence. And so I, I enjoy that, and um, really finding new ways to connect with my children. So my children are in their tween stage, and so they are, you know, everything's for a purpose. I believe. I don't believe there's a consequence, I'm not consequence. I don't believe there are coincidences. I believe there everything is just predestined. And so, you know, I think that uh, part of the reason why I have my two beautiful children is to teach me <laughs> how to be present, to teach me how to be aware of my own emotions and the energy I bring into the room. So they reflect yeah. me. So, yeah, yeah. true. Yes. And so just being able to have a calm spirit, keeping it five and below. So we, that's our model in our house. Keep it five and below as far as the, the volume of our voice. <laughs> Are we five and below? Well, Let's go five and can below. Can you talk about that? Because she's always at like 100 decibels. Right. You know, <laughs> and so 
at baseline, I tend to have anxiety, worry. I'm thinking about tomorrow. I'm type A, thinking about what next week, Mm -hmm. what happened yesterday, but learning how to just be present in the now because children are right here with you right now. (laughs) I'm going to stop doing the dishes. Totally do. Stop doing the dishes, turn to you and listen to your joke. Yeah. I'm going to stop, right? My momentum, because I'm trying to pack for this trip, right? I got to go. I'm going to stop, sit down and let you have, it's only, it was only two minutes, 30 seconds. I wanted my attention, right? But that investment goes a long way. And so realizing I have to dance with that. And so by me exercising, pouring into myself, you know, all those different things has helped me to, um, I, I think, be better for myself, my, my, my children, my family, my friends, and hopefully the community at large. Yeah, no, absolutely. You've had such an amazing impact in your community and you're such a great leader and physician. Um, what would be your one superpower in this world? If you had to choose one, what would you uh, choose? Well, I love that question because this question (laughs) helps myself. And I think we as women affirm ourselves and um, understand and appreciate our gifts and our talents, our strengths. So I would say for my superpower would be my ability to connect with people. I tend to connect with people pretty quickly. And that's Mm -hmm. probably one of the reasons that led me to primary care, because I tend to have Mm -hmm. a good rapport with patients pretty easily. And Mm -hmm. um, they open up to me and they give me the information I need to be able to help them uh, live their most healthiest lives. And so I feel like my ability to connect and create valuable connections with folks um, is probably one of my superpowers. I love that. Yeah. I think that's so needed as a primary care physician. So you're you're dead on. And and we thank you uh, so much for, for being a primary care physician with so much happening in that, you know, area right now. You're so needed. Um, so thank you so much for your time, your energy, and um, all of your your thought uh, your thoughts today. It was great to have you on the podcast. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate you you having me on the podcast. This has been fun and inspirational for me too. Thank you. Thanks for tuning into the Verge Podcast, brought to you by Divergent a leading healthcare IT consulting firm. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Be sure to hit the follow button to stay up to date with the latest IT developments and the exciting ways tech is transforming healthcare today.